hope you feel at home. Hope that you feel welcome. And uh, we are a church that desires to uh, bring uh, hope to the city through Christ's method alone. That means we come close to people. We get close. And uh, I'm excited about what God is doing in this church and what he's doing with his people. And I just believe the Lord is in this place. How many of you believe that this morning? He's in. <laughs> Here I go again this morning. I'm just a church boy through and through. I'm sorry. I don't know if it's ever going to be this afternoon, but uh, we're trying to get there. And uh, I'm glad you're joining us today because we are in the middle of a series called Divine Interruption. How many of you have been blessed by this series so far? Um, it's been it's been good. It's been good. And uh, I'm going to recap a little bit for those who may not know what the series is about. Uh, you can always go on our, our app or online to catch up. Uh, but what we've been wanting to make sure that we are digging our heels deep into is in our faith with God. We want to get back to some some Christian practices that that really require us to have faith in God. I don't know about you, but every single day when I get my news briefing, my notifications, I feel like it's just driving me to my knees. Um, nothing that used to be is the same, and we need to have our faith in God. We need to be planted in God's love. There's a lot of opinions about who God is with and who God is with not. Uh, there's a lot of uh, thoughts around what the church should be doing and what the church shouldn't be doing. But the Bible simply says that there comes a time when people follow the lamb wherever he goes. They follow Jesus through the storms, through the crises, through the controversies. And when he comes again, he's looking for a bride dressed and adorned for her husband. He's looking for a church with red bottom shoes and, and designer Prada purses. He's looking for a church that is ready to meet him. And I believe that our church and our movement is wanting to be aligned with that church. So would you pray with me as we get started again? Father, we just bless you. We honor you. We thank you for the moment, for the freedom to hear the word preached in safety. We think about our brothers and sisters all over the world who just wish they had a Bible, who just wish they had a pastor, who just are praying for an opportunity to get together. And we know that no matter what happens in this world, it can never put out your church. And so we're excited about being here in this country with the opportunity to preach in freedom. And I pray that it won't slow us down. I pray that it won't make us complacent, but it'll make us more hungry for you. And I pray today for those who are making that decision, who will make a decision to, to allow you and to lead their life, Lord, that even now their hearts would be softened. And would you soften all of our hearts and open our ears that we might hear what you have to say to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, I'm going to have to do something off topic, uh, but I don't mind because um, it's okay. It's okay to get old. Amen. And I'm going to need one of my children to run into my office and find my glasses, or this is going to be a brutal sermon. Um, I'm, at, I'm at the point where uh, it's time for glasses, and that's okay. It's time for them all the time. Uh, my font is, my font, it, this is what I love about the Apple phone, my, my font is like all the way up, and uh, my kids make fun of me, and, uh, but you know what, if, if I don't, if I can, if I need, if I'm going to be able to drive home, I need my glasses right now. I'm going to feel like I'm drunk driving. My eyes are going to be cross-eyed trying to drive home. 
Um, but the good thing is, thank you, sweetie. Appreciate that very much. Um, we're going we're gonna to start our text. And uh, we've been walking through uh, the book of Daniel. Actually, let me set it up for a quick second. So we've been talking about divine interruption. Let me just go through this so you can really catch on board. And here's, here's what this is. I'm just going to read this directly from the screen. Divine interruption is God's way of calling us to our highest self. Do you don't want to want to know what helps you order your life? You want to know what helps you uh, stay away from the things that destroy us? Is really understanding God's highest self for us. And I use that language intentionally because it's common language. It's secular language, your highest self. But that's truly a biblical con- concept that what who God created you to be in his mind His version of you is what he's pulling out of you. He wants you to be his version of you. And if you knew what his version of you was, it would change the way you live. And so God needs to interrupt us. It's a way of calling us to that self. It's a way of readjusting. And the best example I use every single week is that I grew up in a a black home with a black mother. And my mother knew how to show me some divine interruption. Every once in a while, I was going this way, and and the Spirit of the Lord would just fill her. And she would come find me. And uh, she would have to come and reprimand me and and bring the Holy Spirit uh, and anoint me and touch me with the Holy Spirit, lay her hands on me. And I would change and repent my ways. That's a divine interruption. Anybody ever had a divine interruption? Sometimes it's a breakup. Sometimes it's a loss of job. Sometimes it, it's, a, it's a ticket on the freeway. It's something that wakes you up and say, wait a minute, I'm going the wrong direction. And I love that God does that. He does that out of love for us, to bring us to where he wants us to be. He's not trying to punish you. He's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you. And sometimes what we see is hurting us. Is actually helping us. And so what we've been talking about with this particular, I'm going to just go all the way through it, that what may look like a trial or even a tragedy for some is an opportunity for the believer. What may look like a tragedy for some is an opportunity for, for the believer. As a believer, when something comes our way, it may not be a tragedy for us. It's an opportunity for us to grow our faith. And so we've been looking at this particular text. This is where the text is coming from. It's from James uh, chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. We've talked about this before, but if you can go back, it says when trials come your way, not if trials or just in case, when trials. And trials come to the believer and to the unbeliever. Trials come to the pastor and to the, to the prisoner. Trials come. They're coming no matter what. But it says for the believer, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Why? For you know that when your faith is tested, somebody say tested. When it's tested, when it's put to the test, your endurance has a chance to grow. What we've been saying that endurance is, is that you can outlast your trouble. That your faith can outlast a Sabbath afternoon. That by Sunday morning, you have not lost your faith and lost your cool by Tuesday. 
last part of this verse says this. So let it grow. For when you, your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. There's a point where we get where we are complete. But that doesn't come through hiding in the closet and reading our Bible all day. It doesn't come from separating ourselves from everything so that we don't have anyone around us. And what it comes from is a test. And here's the person you should be afraid of before anybody else. You. Come on, let's be honest with that. Half the time, the enemy you're fighting is not the devil. The devil's like, look, I didn't have nothing to do with that. I'll be honest with you, God. I was not even there. Your biggest enemy is you. Your 6 a.m. goals, desires, and what you plan to do to today is shot by 12 o'clock. The attitude that you thought you were going to have at 7 o'clock going to work is shot at 9.45. You can be by yourself and fall. Amen? The devil fell in heaven. It don't get no better than that. So there's no perfect situation you can put yourself in unless you deal with you. And God is trying to deal with you by showing you his version of you. Because the version of you that you try to maintain and keep up is weak. It's got some holes. It's got some cracks in it. It may be good for certain times, but it's not good all the time. And God is saying, no, let's, let's give me the opportunity to lead you and to guide you so I can teach you endurance. I can teach you what it means for a faith that is lasting. And we've had three questions, but this is the question that we've talked about. But this is the question that we're looking at today is what does spiritual perseverance look like? What does it look like to outlast? And we've been looking at the story of Daniel, the, the book of Daniel. We've been looking at this man as God has led him through his teenage years into his mid years and getting into his last years, his senior years, and now he is facing different trials. And what we see in Daniel is something about him that he seems to outlast the trials that come his way. And we love scripture because scripture gives us a picture into someone's life. It gives us an idea of how God can move and work in our own lives. We get inspiration. We learn about who God is through listening to other people in the Bible. In this particular chapter of Daniel's life, he's gone through a lot of different things. And now we're getting to chapter 6. And we need to read this. It's a little bit of a longer verse or section of the Bible. We're going to read it anyway. Here's what the Bible says. Daniel chapter 6, NLT version. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high offices and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers because of Daniel's great ability. The king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Daniel got a promotion from even the last chapter he was in. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. They couldn't find a stormy Daniels. They couldn't find anything on him. They looked for it. But he was checking out. He was panning out every time. 
He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. I wish I could preach that. Can I just spend 30 seconds on that? He was faithful, always responsible, completely trustworthy. Faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. This is the perception of not the church folk. This is the perception on the job. This is the public image. This is what people know him to be. To be faithful, to be responsible, and to be completely trustworthy. You can leave him with some money. You can leave him with your girlfriend. You can leave him with your, your phone. You don't even have to get unlock it. You can just open it up for Daniel. He's good with it. He won't swipe left or right. He won't be all up in your business. I mean, because when you think about the type of people that God wants his church to reflect, are they going to say, I don't know where they go to church, but they're always faithful. They're always responsible. They're trustworthy. I can trust them, and they're not going to eat my lunch out of the fridge. I heard that was a thing. I didn't know that that was a thing. Okay, verse 5. So they concluded, our only chance, look at this, our only chance of finding grounds on accusing Daniel will be in his connection with the rules of his religion. Now, this is crazy because they know the rules of his religion so well that they know they can trap him there. You ever get caught off guard when somebody asks you what church you go to? It's one of the reasons why we, we talked about our name being New Movement. It was easy to say, I go to New Movement. We're not ashamed or we're not apologetic about being Seventh-day Adventist, but I've heard people say, what church do you go to? Oh, I'm a Seventh-day What was that? Seventh-day Adventist. What? Did you say Seventh-day Adventist? What is Seventh-day Adventist? Uh, we go to church on Saturday. We don't eat meat. And that's it. Is that it? Oh, that sounded horrible. Right? No, they know Daniel's religion. They know when he's going to church. It was, they know that he's going to church. He's not up in Buffalo Wild Wings somewhere. Right? They know where he is. They know where he's going to be. They can count on Daniel. So the administrators, the high officers, they went to the king. They said, long live the king Darius. Uh, we are all in agreement. We are? Because I think Daniel's not a part of this, but that's okay. You're going to go ahead and lie. We're all in agreement. Uh, we administrators and officials, they got their official voice, right? Uh, high officials, advisors, and got that, you know, governors that the king should be made a law, that they be strictly enforced. You know, that, that, that whole, you know, dignified voice. Uh, uh, give orders that the next 30 days, any person who praised uh, to anyone, uh, divine or human, especially except you, your majesty, will be thrown uh, into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked can I mention that again that whatever you sign today make an executive order and it won't be revoked so Darius signs the law sounds good to me does it but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed he went on Facebook and he started to petition the other political party to help him 
Wait, this is my version. Sorry. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he came running to the king and explaining uh, if he's find a way to find it so he could destroy the evidence. No, that, that's not the right version. Let me try. Let me look on the screen. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home. He went where? Daniel went home. He didn't go to Finley. He didn't go to the liquor store. He didn't drive to Umatilla. But he went home. He knelt down as usual. In his upstairs room. You mean he didn't go in the basement and hide somewhere? No, he went to his usual spot with the windows open toward Jerusalem. Daniel ran home and went to do what he always did. Can I, can I ask you a question? When trouble comes your way, who do you run to? Where are you running? Okay, so let's keep reading. He prayed three times a day just as he always had done. Giving thanks to God. Daniel's not flipping out. He's not trying to make something happen. He's not trying to use his political juice because he's really the third in charge. He could pull some strings. Daniel can get a couple people murked if he want to. Daniel can, can cause a couple little chariot accidents, right? A couple of assassinations with some, with some arrows from the palace. Like Daniel can make some things happen. But he doesn't. The officials went together to Daniel's house. Some of you are like, I wish they would come to my house, right? I, I got something for you. Come on in. This is going to be a prayer meeting you'll never forget. Come on in. I got something for you. Come right on upstairs. Because <laughs> that's what it said. And Terrence, it would have said, and Terrence smote them. You know, that's a good old King James version. <laughs> Okay, anyway, that's not what it says. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house, and where they found him? They found him on the PlayStation. They found him in the bed, knocked out. No, they found him praying and asking God for help. They heard his prayer. That means he's praying out loud. He's in the window. He's upstairs. He's in the same spot, and he's praying out loud. There's something about Daniel's faith in this moment. This is a tested faith. This is not an emergency faith. This is not a last resort, God help me faith. This is faith that has been built on test and test and test and test. So they went straight to the king. They reminded him about his law. Uh, did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, would be thrown in a den of lions? Yes, the king replied. Um, that decision stands. It's an official law of the Medes and Persians. It cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, uh, that man, Daniel, uh, one of the captives from Judah. This is low-key like the N-word right here. This is, what the, this is what they're doing. That man, Daniel, one of the captives, they're bringing up his ethnicity. He's one of these refugee captives. Daniel, that guy. Um, he's ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled. 
he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. What is going on with Daniel? That the king who made this law realizes, realizes it's putting Daniel at jeopardy, and he's like, I got to figure out something with this. He spent the rest of his day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. He's got his lawyers. He's got the Supreme Court. He's got everybody in his place trying to figure out a loophole to get Daniel out. Daniel is valuable to the kingdom of Babylon. Daniel is valuable to the public space. He's valuable to the marketplace. He's living his life in a way that exemplifies the true and living God, so much so that his value is unreplaceable in the kingdom of the world. They need Daniel. And that evening, the men went to gather to, together to the king, and they bring it all back up. You said, you know, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no law can be changed. So at last, the king gave the orders. Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said, may your God, whom you serve faithfully, rescue you. And a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own royal seal and seals of the nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. No one could rescue him. Then the king turned to his palace and spent the night fasting, and he refused his usual entertainment and could not sleep all night. Brothers and sisters, this is a divine interruption. Because as far as we read so far, Daniel hasn't done anything wrong. Daniel's faithful. He's living his life. He's trying to honor God. But some troubles come his way. It, it's, so, it's so bad that even the king, even the person in charge says, man, we need this man. We need his faithfulness. Can I, can I just say this way that your spiritual virtues are not just for the church. Yeah, your gifts that God has given you is not for the church. It's not just for in here. It's for out there. And God has given you some ability and given you something special. And your highest self, if you live it according with the spirit of God, is a witness to who God is. It's a witness. They can't put their finger on it, but they say there's something excellent about you that had to come from somebody else. There's something special, the way you walk, the way you move, the way you write, the way you practice medicine, the way you are at your job. There's something about you that's unique. Because I believe with all my heart that church does not start when you get here. When does it start, church? It starts when you leave. And when we change our inward focus to our outward focus, we begin to make sense out of the trials that come our way. So these fault finders, these researchers have put Daniel in a tough spot. He is in a difficult predicament. The question we asked earlier was how, what does a faith that perseveres, what does it look like? Because I know what you're thinking, pastor, I'm not Daniel. I'm not Daniel's son. I'm not nobody like that. Pastor, I'm, I'm not even there. You might catch me slipping if you call me at the wrong time of day. Can we just talk to some real people in here? Like, that, like Daniel is a little intimidating for me, right? Because I'm not always on point. Anybody want to be honest about that? 
there's some times that I'm just not where I want to be. And it's intimidating to hear that Daniel is that way. But can I tell you something? That God has the same assignment for all of us. And what I love about God is he has a way of covering us and protecting us and guiding us and keeping us from the trouble. He keeps on pulling us back and giving us chance after chance after chance after chance after chance. And he's in heaven cheering you on. Did you lost that game? That's okay. That's all right. I'm going to bring it back to you. And bring it back to you again until you can learn that I'm in your corner and I just need you to have a little faith in me. I know you're going through a trial. If you're not going through a trial, you've just gone through a trial. And if you haven't just gone through a trial and you're not going through a trial, you're getting ready to go through a trial. It's coming. Last night, my wife and I went to visit a family um, that we used to pastor in, we had received word just a couple weeks ago that he had been diagnosed with cancer and we're trying to make plans to, to go down there just literally a couple weeks ago to go down there and praying with the family. Last night after, I don't know what time we left, somewhere in the evening, we, we were driving down to his wake. We were driving down to the viewing. He passed away. In less than two weeks, when he found out his prognosis. And as I was, I was there and I was, I was sitting in the room with the family and I was looking around. And I heard the stories of how he was in his final days and, and how he was living. And how he was navigating. I was amazed at the courage and the strength that I saw in the trial and even though he did not come out of it with a healthy diagnosis but I could see the joy and I could see the love in his eyes uh, uh, sorry in the eyes of his children I could see it in his wife I could see it in his family that there was something about his journey through the trial that taught them about God and can I just tell you and they would tell you too that he didn't go to church. At the end, he, they said he made peace with God. And the peace that he made was so contagious that it began to just shift the way the family thought about God for themselves. And I think about Daniel's feelings as he's going down into the lion's den. I think about our feelings as we seem to come into this place where we've said, God, we've done everything we could, and maybe there's some things we could have done better, but it looks like the situation is not going to turn around, that there's no hope. And I just can't imagine, as the Bible says, that they took him down to the lion's den, and the stone was placed over, this is verse 17, and the king sealed it, and Daniel is in this dark room. You can hear the growls of the lion. He's in the worst trial he's ever gone through. He knows that God is faithful. But I can only imagine for a minute that he hears the growls of the lions. And he's in this cold, dark place. And he's wondering, is this the way I'm going out? 
when I thought about this story and I thought about the parallels and I thought about this story together, I was reminded of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in Math in Mark, excuse me, chapter 14. The Bible says that before he goes down into the lion's den, before he goes down into the grave, into this place that he's never seen, to experience death for the first time, to be our sacrifice and our liberator and our savior of humanity. The, the moments before he goes down, it tells us something about faith. Because you got to realize that here Daniel was upright, but there was nobody like Jesus. And you got to understand that through his crucifixion, think of crucifixion, think about it this way. While he's being crucified, and while sin is being placed on him, the Bible says literally he became sin, he still can't sin. He has to be the sinless lamb of God. If Jesus would have even thought about it, because his connection with heaven is like, is crazy. If, if, if just a little, you know, like on your phone when somebody texts you, you get that little, that little dot, you know, that little bubble that pops up, and you know somebody's going to text you back, but you're waiting for it. Like, if, if that would have just popped up in heaven's messages, like just dot, 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 right? Like Jesus was thinking about it. Gabriel would have shut it down. Okay, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. Gabriel would have had no problems ending the entire earth. You got to think about the horror they felt to see the Savior of heaven, the King of heaven, go through this. It would have just, it would have just taken a thought. They all would have came down. It would have been done. The devil, everybody. And nobody, nobody in the interview in the universe would have known the difference. It'd be like men in black. Boom, hit the light button, it's over with. Right? Like nobody remembers anything because that's the kind of power. But think about the pressure of going down in the den. Here's what the Bible says that Jesus did. Now look, this is Jesus. This is Mark uh, chapter 14, right? Chapter 14. Um, just put it on the screen for me. Jesus says they went to the olive grove called Gethsemane and Jesus said sit here while I go and pray. Have y'all thought about that? That the God of heaven, that Jesus himself has to pray? Because I wonder why we give ourselves so many excuses not to pray. But Jesus says I need to pray. Verse 33 says he took Peter and James and John with him and he became deeply troubled and distressed. Can I just help you here? Even Jesus was troubled and distressed. It's okay to go through the trial deeply troubled and distressed. Nobody's telling you to be unrealistic. Nobody's telling you to come up with some religious jargon about it. No one's telling you to make something up and be perfect and put on some suit and come show up somewhere and be like, happy set. Nobody's telling you to do that. Jesus is troubled. He's distressed. But who does he run to? He's not sinning. He's running 
to his father. He told him, look at what Jesus said. My soul is crushed. Jesus hasn't even been to the cross yet. He's talking about the weight of what he's getting ready to walk into. He says, my soul is crushed to the point of grief, with grief to the point of death. He's saying, I might die before I even get to the cross. Like, I can't even imagine embodying all the sins of the world on me. I can't imagine of what that's going to feel like to be separated from my father. It disgusts me. It grieves me to the point of death. I can't, I don't even know what to do. He says, stay and watch. Keep watch with me. He went on a little further. He fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the offer hour awaiting him might pass him by. Are you listening to the son of God? He's distressed. He's hurting. He's praying. If there's another way to do this, let me know. If there is another option, look at what Jesus is demonstrating. He's demonstrating, Father, this is what I want to do, but I want to check and make sure that what you want to do is what I should do. That's the question we need to ask in the trial. That's the opportunity for our faith to develop, to go and talk to God. That's what we're praying about. Hey, God, I just want to make sure. Because everything in me says, Mama said, knock him out. That's what I, that's what I hear. LL is telling me, knock him out. But you got to tell me what you want me to do. You got to tell me if I should stay or if I should leave. He says, Abba, Father. Oh, sorry. And he says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Let's not over-spiritualize this. I know it's tempting, especially for church people, to try to really save Jesus here. It's very tempting to try to save him. Well, you know, he was just saying that for his disciples to hear or, you know, such and such says this about it. We're uncomfortable with the idea that Jesus is crushed. Here's what we're really uncomfortable with. The idea that God would crush him that way. But what kind of faith is going to come out of this? What kind of strength is going to carry Jesus through this moment? Let's get to the other side of this moment. Then he, refu- then he returned. He found disciples asleep. He said, Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch for me in one hour? Keep watching, pray so that you give, not given to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He's not just talking about Peter. He's talking about himself. Then Jesus left him again. He prayed the same prayer as before. Sometimes we got to just keep praying. Sometimes we got to keep asking. Don't be premature about it. Make sure, God, is this exactly what you want? Keep on praying. He returned to them again. They were asleep. They couldn't even open their eyes. The disciples can't handle this, man. They're they're done. They're like, man, we're exhausted. I don't, even, I don't even know if they were asleep. I'm going to ask Peter when I get to heaven. Peter, were you really asleep? Or were you just like, man, I can't watch this? I don't know. Couldn't wake him up. He, they didn't know what to say. He returned to them a third time. He said, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But know the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed unto the hand of sinner. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer 
is here. Can you hear Jesus get his swag up? Can you hear Jesus pressing in and something in that moment said, nope, this is my mission. Something told him, nope, this is my time. Something told him that on the other side of this trial, if I can push it through, I would argue that this was the hardest moment of that weekend. That the strength that Jesus had on the cross was because he knew that he was going to change the course of humanity if he could just press through. And I'm so glad that Jesus modeled to us exactly what we need to do in order to make it through our trial. And I'm excited what Daniel modeled as well. I think they're, they're similar. Let me just push through these last few points because I think, I hope you understand today that what it takes as a sustaining faith to get your faith up really is to outlast your trial, to outlast it. And sometimes you got to go back to God. You got to go back to God again. You got to go back to God and keep seeking him and keep asking and keep wrestling until you make it through. And sometimes it may be little things. Don't be embarrassed about little things, right? If you're a parent, you should have a great prayer life. If you're married to a man, you gotta have, you probably have a really strong prayer life. If you've been married more than 10 years, you're praying every single day. Here's what I see in the text. Here's what I see in the text. The first thing. That Daniel's teaching us. Because Daniel's in the lion's den. Daniel, the door is shut. He doesn't know what God's going to do. He's asked God for help. He's done everything he could. Here's what I believe Daniel understood. First thing, three things. You can write these down if you want. Let me write this up. He was clear. Daniel was clear about his assignment and who he was. Daniel was clear. What does the verse say back in in chapter 6? Daniel was clear. It says, the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful. He was always responsible. He was completely trustworthy. Here's something you can take home today. When you want to survive your test, you know what you got to do? You got to be clear about who you are and what your assignment is. You got to be clear about this moment. You got to be clear. No, wait a minute. There's too much at stake, right? There's too much for me to go this direction now. I've just completed this part, and I've got a little bit more to go. I, I do this all the time. I look at my, the age of my kids, and I say, you know what? I've got to be faithful right here. I've got to hang in here in these teenage years. I've got I've to push through this because it costs too much if I mess up now. It's going to mess up the church if I mess up now. I got to be clear about my assignment. You got to be clear about who you are in the season of life that you're in. Some of you are in a season of life. You don't have that many days left ahead of you. So what are you going to do for God now? Be clear about it. Some of you, you have your whole life ahead of you. You're young and you're full of gifts. And you're saying, God's saying, wait a minute, this is the time I need you. Let's get clear. Couldn't find anything on him. Because Daniel knew what his assignment was. He knew what his job was supposed to be. And he did it every single day. Here's all the other thing I love about it. Daniel was consistent. He was consistent. You know how much things will improve in your life if you just show up? 
And then here's when it gets better. If you show up again. I can't even be mad at Planet Fitness. I can't even be mad at them. They said 10 bucks. I was like, ooh, that's pretty cheap. 20 bucks. Nobody from Planet Fitness is calling me. Hey, Terrence, we haven't seen you in a while. You know what? I feel really bad about this. We haven't seen you, and we're taking your money. Listen, can we just give you a refund? Because we feel bad that we're taking advantage of you. Planet Fitness is like, thanks, Terrence. We're going to open up another location in Kennewick. Consistent. Just got to show up. And just show up again. And, and it's a difference between being in the room and being while you're in the room. Because just because you're in the room doesn't mean you showed up. What was that? What'd you say? Show up. God, I need your help. We preached about it last week. God, I need someone to pray for me. Yep, there was a small group last week. It was there for you. And some of you know when you show up, God shows up. You just got to show up. Consistency. Couldn't David, I mean, Daniel, look what it says. Daniel went back to his room, his usual place. Daniel had established a system, a rhythm, a pattern of prayer and spiritual practice. He says, I'm, I'm keeping this. This time is for you. I'm carving this time out every single day. I'm not too busy for you. Because you don't know what crisis is coming. And it was his faith, it was his consistency that got him in trouble. I want to get in trouble by the way I showed up. I want them to say, yep, he's going to be at church this week. I know exactly where he's going to be. Consistent. Three times a day. I ain't judging him. That's pretty good. Right? Three times a day is pretty good. We eat three times a day, three to six, depending on the day. And we're not talking about, Lord, bless this food, right? We're not talking about, now lay me down to sleep. Help me lead in Babylon. Help me maintain my integrity. Help me make the right decision. Help me to live for you. Bless King Darius. Last one. He was connected. connected to God but because he was connected to God he was connected to the king king was beating down the door the Bible says he was doing his best to figure out a way to save Daniel what does it say he was trying his best he was pleading he was saying Daniel are you okay is there anything we can do for you is there anything I can do he's connected with God he can walk in the Daniel in the lion's den because he's connected with God. He's like, Dad, God, whatever you want to do, I'm good. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if Jesus showed up, right, with a little cheese platter and some grapes. I don't know if he showed up and he was playing board games with Daniel. I mean, I don't know. I'd be interested to know what happened inside of that den in that lion's den. But he was connected. He was knocking on the door. 
Maybe he was calling them on the phone. I don't know. Bible says that he shows up the next morning. And Darius is like, Daniel, are you okay, Daniel? Did God save you, Daniel? Are you good? And a voice comes from the other side of the stone wall. I'm good. I'm all right. And the text says in 22, when, when Daniel comes out, says he doesn't even have a scratch on him. He doesn't have a scratch. You know, the, the lion didn't just happen to cut his clothes. Daniel is smooth. Not a scratch was found on him. For he had did what? He had trusted in his God. I don't know how he trusted in his God with hungry lions staring him in the face. I got to close this message. Here's what I want to close with. Because like I said, when I thought about Daniel and I thought about Jesus and I thought about Jesus, what was it that got you up off your knees? What was it that carried you through? And I heard it in the voice of King Darius. He said, Daniel, are you good? Are you all right? Did your God save you? Because someone is waiting for you on the other side. I wish you could hear what I said. Someone is waiting for you on the other side of this trial. They want to know, did you make it out? They want to know if you're still intact. They want to know if you have everything you have. Can you just make, walk, walk through it? Can you just pray through it? Can you just push through it? Because somebody's depending on your faith. Someone's depending on you to make it out. Someone is waiting for you to see that God can deliver them. If you can just keep pushing, if you can just keep praying, your other side has someone waiting for you. God wasn't just teaching Daniel. He was teaching Darius. This miracle wasn't for Daniel. It was for Darius. And Daniel, Darius gets to close the chapter with his own song. Giving praise to God for himself. And all I wanted to do is pray for you this morning as I close this to tell you that someone is waiting for you on the other side of this. If you can just say, God, I'm allowing the interruption to happen. I'm going to allow you to break me so that you can build me up and trust in you. Because there's somebody looking at you saying, you mean to tell me you made it out? What? You, you don't have a scratch on you? <clears throat> you, don't, you, don't even, you don't even have a bad attitude? You don't have no unforgiveness? You're telling me that you can just look at them and just keep going? You're, you're telling me you forgive them? You're saying you can just move on from this? Yes, I can. Because this ain't the first time. And the first time I've been through something, I trusted God. And I want to give you an opportunity to know that God personally. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You can just close your eyes, bow your head. I just want to give someone an opportunity to know this God, to know this Jesus, to know the one we're talking about who says, just let me lead you. Let me build you, build your life on me. Give me an opportunity. And as Deanna said earlier, we, we, we talk about getting in the flow. And one of these things that we believe that every person decision should make is just to get started. Just get started. Just get started. Just start with this. Just start today. Jesus is saying, just start today with me. And as our eyes are bowed, as our, head, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, I want you to know nobody's looking at you. 
And there are people in this church praying for you. If you want to make a decision just to get started with God, I want you to just be real bold real quick with me and just raise your hand if that's you. You just want to get started. You just want to say, God, lead my life. Is there anybody in the room? Just raise your hand. God bless you. I want you to pray this prayer with me. And let's pray it out loud for the sake of those who are making this decision. Say, dear Jesus, I invite you to lead my life. I get started today by trusting in you. Forgive me of my sins. I claim your blood as my righteousness. And Lord, from this day forward, 